Episode 60 I'm Forrest Hall As always, this is Real Church Matters Where we talk Real Church Matters Because Real Church Matters Let's get to the housekeeping As always, you can go to RealChurchMatters.com At RealChurchMatters.com You'll see all of the episodes We can try to be, you know, thorough As far as making sure that they have Notes and show notes attached to them You'll also see links to the social media accounts All of which are at Real Church Matters Except for Twitter Which is at Real Church M-T-T-R-S you also see a link to our favorite blog Go Do Likewise So you can go on there and check out All the awesome articles that are encouraging to us Courtesy of Antoinette Allen Also anything else on the website that's all that's on the website don't forget about patreon.com forward slash real church matters as always you can give as little as a dollar if you give more than ten dollars you get access to a bunch of gifts things that we want to make available to you as well as a little more matters which is our extension of this where we keep the conversation going just a little further all for your benefit if I'm not mistaken that covers it I do want to apologize for last week definitely wasn't feeling well uh, you know thank you for those that knew and were praying and sent encouragement I appreciate all of it it helps me it keeps my battery charged up you gotta keep going so with that being said as always it's obedience over audience But since we have an audience, let's get to it. So, episode 60 is about the resistance. Our job as believers isn't just to just say we're Christians. It isn't just to proclaim it. It isn't just to let the world know it. But to understand that being a Christian makes us a part of a resistance. So we have a battle. We have an obligation in this battle some people don't make it through if you think for one second you get to just say you're a Christian you get to just wear a badge or have an affiliation with a church and that's enough then you really are sadly mistaken as to what it means to be a Christian and to be a part of this thing that we say we're a part of it's being a part of a rebellion it's being a part of a resistance it's a fight And so we're going to talk about that fight today. Starting with 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8 through 9. And there, Peter is saying, Be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. The first thing in that scripture I'm very aware of is that He is letting us know we have an adversary. For people just like me and you're passive aggressive, you're a very peaceful person, you run more than you fight. Knowing that you have enemies isn't the most exciting thing. It's not something that we want. When you came to Jesus, you came looking for some peace. You came looking for a way out of confrontation and engagement. But when you came to Jesus, You have to understand you are looking for a fight. 
And a fight is what we're going to get because we have an adversary. And he's prowling around like a roaring lion, seeing who he can devour. There's somebody who is after us in a way that we haven't really paid attention to before. But now as we're believers, we can say we know we have an adversary and we know that he is constantly on the offensive against us. That puts us immediately into a versus thing. It puts us immediately into a fight. Sometimes I wake up and I don't want to engage. Sometimes I wake up and I just want to be there. I just want to exist. I just want to rest in the bed. I don't want to have to deal with things. But being a Christian throws me smack dab into a war that I did not start awarded has gone on and on for decades and generations. And it's as simple as good and evil. And I'm now a part of it. And it's not what I signed up for. I signed up for the, the Jesus that had some peace for me. But no, we're a part of a resistance. We're a part of a rebellion against an adversary. And his name is Satan. And he is out to get us. And so we must know our role in verse nine, he says, resist him firm in your face. And so I, I, I stopped for a second and I, I realized a lot of the things that's going on right now, a lot of the situations that I'm facing, the people that I love are facing and you all whom I love as well are facing has everything to do with your faith. And how firm you are in your faith. You know, we, we, we wax poetic about a lot of Christianly stuff, about a lot of things that are involved in Christendom. But one thing about it, we need to all ask ourselves, how firm are you in your faith? The ability for you to be firm in your faith is where the war is happening. It's where the struggle is happening when we talk about our beliefs, when we talk about the things we're struggling with, when we talk about our perspectives on this world, on ourselves, on the people around us, on Christ, on God. When we talk about these things, everything dealing with the mind is simple as how firm are you in your belief in God? And he says the way that we resist him, the way that we engage in this war, the way that we are the rebellion against this adversary is that we are firm in our faith. But we're not. We're not. We have to learn that the resistance is in challenging ourselves to be resolute, to be assured in our faith, to be firm in our faith, knowing that the same kind of sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. He's letting you know this is something that everybody's going through. Everybody's having a crisis of faith because that's where the adversary is attacking. He is trying to destroy Christ on earth by destroying our faith in Christ. That's how you destroy something that can't be destroyed. You destroy the people who believe in that thing. 
You destroy their belief in it. You destroy their ability to stand on it, their ability to have a sure foundation. If you wanted to really uh, destroy an army, they knew that they couldn't just destroy an army by just attacking the people as they came, that they had to be the aggressor and go to the enemy's camp, go to the enemy's base, destroy the enemy's foundation. And so when our foundation is shaky, Meaning when we're not firm in our faith, the enemy has the upper hand. We're not a part of the rebellion. We're not a part of the, the, the fight when we're not having the good fight. That takes us to 2 Timothy 4 and 7. He says, I fought the good fight. This is Paul at the last leg of his life. He said, I fought the good fight. This sounds like somebody who's been through some things and who understands what he's been through. And he understood that he did it the right way. When we're on our deathbeds, when we're on our last leg, will we be able to look back and say, you know what? I fought a good fight. I finished the race. Meaning in the last part of scripture, he says, I have kept the faith. I realize that's what I'm fighting. Every day I wake up, I'm not fighting people. Every day I wake up, I'm not fighting uh, pastors and I'm not fighting other religions. I'm not fighting church and, and the way that church does things. I used to be so caught up in that and caught up in uh, thieving preachers and misinterpreted scripture. But at the end of the day, that ain't the fight that we're fighting. We're fighting the fight of faith. Are you... Firming your faith And are you fighting to keep yourself firm in the faith That's what we all got to ask ourselves That's where these type of situations come in Everybody loves to sing songs Where we are kind of transposing ourselves In the mentality of being soldiers for the Lord We sing, you know, you went to the enemy's camp And took back what he stole we say we're soldiers in the army of the Lord. But what are you fighting? What are you fighting? I'm fighting for my position. I'm fighting to hold my position. When you look at a lot of the war movies, the way that they knew who was winning the war is who could advance their position or who could hold their position. But if you started to lose ground, you were the one that was losing the war. They would say things like, they just took over Antebellum and they just took over Fort McHenry. That These are the things that were said because if you lose ground, you're losing the battle. And in the fact of the ground being our faith, if you're losing faith, you're losing the battle. It also lets me know how the enemy attacks. The enemy is not attacking me through people in a very physical way. He's attacking me through my mind. There may be a person who's I feel is offending me. There may be a person who I feel is persecuting me. But what is really happening is this an assault on my mind. Even if it's an assault on my pride, even if it's an assault on my emotions, it is still an assault on my mind and how it can move me off my ground which is my faith. 
When I lose faith, I lose ground. When I lose ground, I lose the battle. If I lose the battle, I'm no longer effective as being a part of the resistance. 2 Timothy 3 and 8 says, Now, as Janus and Jambres withstood Moses, so do these also resist the truth. Men of corrupt minds reprobate concerning the faith. So I want to show you how it is very easy for us to be on the wrong side of the resistance where we begin to not just lose ground, but we begin to work in tandem with the adversary being resistant to the truth. If we are resistant to the truth, as he says, we become reprobate concerning the faith. We become resistant to the faith. He said these were the these type of people move like James and Jambres who withstood Moses, who resisted Moses, who opposed Moses, who fought against Moses. He says those people resisted the truth. I'm sharing this because we have to understand what it feels like to resist. And so it's very easy for us to just call back to the times where we resisted God, where we resisted the truth. We know people now who resist the truth and struggle with resisting the truth. I thought back to those times where I was very adamant, very staunch in my beliefs. I was not easily moved. My mother would spend great deal of time sharing the word with me, preaching to me, talking to me. She was she would do so much and I was so resistant against it. I was aggressive with my resistance. I didn't listen. I didn't hear her, even though I heard her physically. I did not open my heart and my mind to hear what she was saying. I closed my heart off. I was resisting. Now, when I juxtapose that and take that to who I am now, am I just as aggressive? Am I just as passionate? Am I just as stiff-necked as one of the scriptures we're about to talk about says in, in the opposite way? Do I stand on my belief in God now and actively resist everything else? Resist anything as the scripture tells us that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. When I go through, am I open to the thoughts that tell me that it's not going to work out? Or am I standing on the truth that everything that is happening to me will work for my good because the word says so? These are the battles that we're facing every day. The battles where we're dealing with the realities which are, are, are enemies to our faith. So Acts 7, 51 says, you stiff-necked people, uncircumcised in heart and ears, you always resist the Holy Spirit. As your fathers did, so do you. So you have Stephen in Acts chapter 7. The whole chapter, he stands up in the middle of a courtyard, the middle of town, the town square. Just imagine downtown at your whatever city you're at. And he's standing in the middle of, of the, the busiest area. 
and he begins to let them know that they are stubborn. They are stiff-necked. They are resistant to the Holy Spirit. The same entity that moves around seeking whom he may devour, the adversary, in the same way the Holy Spirit is seeking whom he may lead and guide into all truth. He says, this entity, this Holy Spirit that has come, not but five chapters before in Acts chapter two, the Holy Spirit revealed itself to the people of God. Now in Acts chapter seven, Stephen says, you all are resistant to the spirit that enlightens and guides and leads in all truth. Something I shared in Bible study yesterday, I think it's interesting that we say that we are following the Holy Spirit, but a lot of people's Holy Spirit is an after-the-fact Holy Spirit. After we do something wrong, we say, you know, the Holy Spirit, you know, he revealed to me that I should not have said that. Well, the Holy Spirit revealed to me I should not have done that. Well, that's not really the Holy Spirit's true intention for our lives. His intention is to lead and guide us in all truth, not show us how we messed up after the fact. His intention is to help us that we not stumble. The scripture says that those that are in darkness are prone to stumble and that those that are in the light have no occasion of stumbling. The Holy Spirit is interested in guiding us in a way, in a path, in a direction that prevents us from stumbling. But yet people become very, very intimate with the Holy Spirit after the fact. That's not the intention of the Holy Spirit. The intention of the Holy Spirit is to lead and guide us into all truth, to lead and guide us into a deeper place of faith. And so when we resist this, we are that stubborn people who are doing exactly like our fathers did. But when we're resisting in this way, we have not engaged in the good fight. We are not a part, an active part of, res- of the resistance. The resistance is those who stand against Satan, who stands against his tricks and his schemes that try to get us to lessen and lose our ground in our faith. If we're not firm in our faith, we're not as firm a Christian as we think. And if we're not as firm a Christian as we think, then we are not part of the resistance. John chapter 18, verse 36, Jesus said to them, my kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would have been fighting that I might not be delivered over to the Jews, but my kingdom is not from the world. This is a reality that we all need to understand. If we're a part of the resistance and you say, I'm ready to fight the good fight, then you first have to understand that those who follow Jesus fight a certain way. The way that we fight is not focused in this world. Our fight is not to gain things of this world. Our fight is not with the people of this world. Our fight is in the spirit so that we might be victorious in the spirit so we might inherit the spiritual fullness of heaven. 
1 Corinthians 9.26 says, I therefore so run, not as uncertainty. He says, I'm not a person that's running, but running uncertain. It's hard for you to drive fast if you don't know where you're going. Oftentimes, if people don't know where they're going, they are driving slow because they're trying to get a sense of where they are. And you can tell their the nature of their uncertainty because they don't move with the intention of speed or the intention of a purposeful movement. He says, I can't run like I want to run if I'm uncertain about where I'm running. And he says, so I fight not as one who beats the air. He said, I don't fight like that. I, that's a wasted energy. That's a wasted energy. A lot of times as Christians, we have to be honest with ourselves that we are wasting energy. A lot of people are putting a lot of effort, but your effort is not connecting. If you're hitting the air, then you are fighting with no true purpose. He says, I fight not in a way to beat the air. I'm not trying to beat the air. The air doesn't do anything for me, but I'm fighting with an understood target. I have an adversary. I have an enemy. I have a focus and my energies must be put towards that. So as a believer who has to have an allegiance has to fight a fight. Ask yourself, what are you fighting? If it's not the fight of faith, then you're beaten at the air. If you're mad at this person and that person, you're beaten at the air. If you're mad at your past, if you're mad at yourself, you're beating at the air. If you're mad at the church, if you're mad at the pastor, you're beating at the air. If you're mad at religion, if you're mad at God, you're beating at the air. But when you focus your energy and say, I'm mad at the enemy who tries to knock me off of what I know about God and what I decided to serve as God, then you're not fighting right. And the enemy doesn't fight fair. He will constantly focus you on the air so you can swing at the air, so you can cuss out that person, so you can attack that person, so you can be mad at that person, so you can not talk to that person, so you can leave church, so you can leave your job, so you can divorce your husband or your spouse, so you can stop dealing with your children, so that you can run away, so that you can isolate yourself. Now he has you focused on things that don't profit you, things that are merely air. Scripture that goes with that, that just works so perfectly. He said, this life is but a vapor. It's just air. If I'm fighting against the air, I'm not fighting with certainty. If I'm fighting against the air, I'm not fighting with true intention. And I'm wasting precious energy and precious time. I'm tired of it. I'm tired of exhausting myself, sparring. When believers, we don't have no time to spar. We ain't got no time to be in the gym, just play punching. Especially when our adversary, our enemy, our opponent 
is not missing. When I look at my life and the things that are happening right now, trust me, he is not missing. He ain't wasting a punch. He's connecting. He's making sure he's not wasting it by beating at the air. He's very intentional in how he attacks. And then us Christians, we just sitting around, just swinging on each other, just swinging at situations, never focusing on what the true battle is. Part of that is 1 Timothy. 1 Timothy, lost my part. There we go. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 12, and it tells us, fight the good fight of faith. It's the good fight. It's the essential fight. It's the only fight that matters. He says, fight the good fight of of faith. That means if there's a good fight, then there is a bad fight. When we talk about beating at the air, we're talking about the bad fight. He says, fight the good fight of faith. Take a hold of eternal life to which you were called and about which you've made the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. We stood up in front of people. We told them we're Christians. We made this, this proclamation. And people are constantly looking to see how we fight. I'm, I'm, I step back and I look at all the times in my life where as a Christian, I focused on very small things, things that don't really matter in the greater scheme of the purpose of God. I, I, I can remember times when I was sitting around and just focus on the fact that, Lord, I just don't want to cuss and I just don't want to think that way. And I don't want to hold those feelings that way. And I don't want to desire things that way. When I didn't realize that I, I'm not, understanding why I even find myself gravitating towards those things, that I'm not really focusing on the fact that my faith isn't rooted, my beliefs weren't rooted, my convictions weren't rooted in God. I should have spent more time just realizing like, hey, you're not, you're, you're, you're connecting to the wrong things. You were, take, you weren't, considering. You weren't thinking about the greater picture. That's why he says, fight the good fight of faith. Take hold of eternal life. I can truly say as a Christian, I haven't moved in a way all the time where heaven was on my mind. The believer, he moves in a way where heaven is on his mind. He moves in a way where heaven is his goal. I'm thinking small when my goal is just to not cuss. My goal should be to have heaven be my home. I'm thinking very small. We all have been there. We're thinking very small when we're thinking about, Lord, I just don't want to have sex outside of marriage. Lord, I don't want to lust like that. We're thinking so small, like those things aren't the defining truth of what being a Christian is. 
Heaven should be on our mind. When a person is fighting in a war, they're not thinking about anything but victory. What is the victory to the believer? What lets you know you've won? Because you don't go out no more? Because you don't cuss no more? Because you don't do drugs anymore? Is that the true victory? See, because when Jesus died and he rose, it says that he conquered death. Not drugs. He conquered death. Our true victory is when we can truly take a hold of eternal life and experience the joy and the glory of heaven, of being with our Father. That is the mission. Anything else is not the mission. We, are, we should be mission-minded people. Is heaven on your mind? Ask yourself, what constitutes a win for you? What constitutes victory for you? Let it be that you took a hold of eternal life. Let it be that you understood the true purpose of being a Christian is to lay a hold of a faith that has provided to you a way to be with your father. That's what we've been called to. That's the good confession. The good confession isn't saying, hey, guys, 10 years sober. Hey, guys, three years since I've had sex. That's not the good confession. That's not the, the mindset of the believers of old. That's not the mindset of Paul as he's writing these things. He didn't sit in jail a day from getting his head cut off and say he's fought the good fight and was talking about the fact that he ain't smoked in two years. That's not what he was talking about. It's bigger. It's bigger. And because it's not bigger to us yet, we still fighting the air. We're still beating at the air. We have yet to even join the resistance. We have yet to be able to fight. Why? Simply because of what it says in Ephesians 6 and 12. Ephesians 6 and 12 says, For we wrestle not against flesh and blood. We wrestle not against flesh and blood. That's a lot for us to take in because we got to understand it. Part of the problem is that we're still focused not just on other people, but we're still a, a very connected to the flesh and blood of our own existence. I'm still wrestling with demons and things in my past, not realizing I don't wrestle with that. I shouldn't be engaging with that. I'm still wrestling with the things people have said and done. I shouldn't be wrestling with that. I shouldn't be expending my energies towards that. There was a, a, a woman that talked to me yesterday, and after Bible study, I'm, I'm sharing all this stuff. And after I, I share all these things, because yesterday we're, we're talking in Bible study about how to deal with persecution. And it says that when people 
We, we're not supposed to render evil for evil, and we're not supposed to render railing for railing or insults for insults, but we're supposed to take, when they give us evil or give us insults, we give them blessings. Blessings mean that I have nothing but good things to say about this person. I have nothing but good thoughts about this person. And anything I can do to benefit that person, I make it my point to do. That's not easy, but that is the good fight. And so after I taught that, she came to me and she said, I'm having a hard time dealing with my daughter. And I keep telling her to do this and she's not doing it. And it's, it, it, it's, it can be frustrating, but we're supposed to have patience and compassion. So even though I said all of that before and it was hard for her to listen, I just reminded her again, talking to me about it isn't what you should be doing. At this stage of the game, you need to fight the good fight of faith. You continue to speak the truth. You continue to be patient. You continue to be compassionate. You continue to have a pitiful heart, a heart of pity. We talked about that in Bible study. For those of you who aren't initiated with that, pity is not the same term or context that we use in today's time. In the Bible, pity meant I am sensitive and tenderhearted towards that person's plight and situation. And so it says in Proverbs that as a father is pitiful to his child, so is God pitiful to us. He shows us pity. He is tenderhearted towards us. Even the scriptures say, who is man that thou art mindful? We have a hard time being mindful of people when they have a mind against us. But if you can't see past the personal nature of it being your child, the personal nature of it being someone you love who is disrespecting you or not honoring or reverencing you, if you can't see past that to operate in the proper way according to the word of God, then you are moved off of your ground as it relates to faith. And you are losing the fight. And by her the minimizing, minimizing the fight to a mother against a daughter, she's losing the battle. And the adversary has once again connected his punches. The adversary has once again been on the aggressive and gotten grounded. He should not have been able to get if the resistance was standing firm in their faith. That's what we're saying. We're saying we wrestle not against mothers, daughters, sisters, brothers, friends, acquaintances, church members, and coworkers. We wrestle against principalities, against powers, against rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places, that is assaulting not our bodies, not our flesh and blood, but the core of who we are in spirit so that it can remove us and take us off of our place in our faith. That quickly, a mother and a daughter are at odds with each other. That quickly, a household 
is in turmoil. That quickly a household is turned upside down because somebody can't do what James 4 and 7 says. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Your household will be in order when you set yourself in order by standing and standing firm in your faith. Oftentimes I felt the turmoil of, of, of chaos and, and the, the, the situations in my life can be overwhelming when I don't walk in those situations and deal in those situations beyond flesh and blood, but according to my faith so that I may be able to stand against principalities, powers of the darkness of this world, and spiritual wickedness in high places. These things aren't, I can't grab them. I can't jack them up. As much as it sounds good, I can't put the devil under my feet. I can't stomp on the devil's neck. As much as it sounds fun, as much as it reaffirms us and makes us feel good to say, if you really want to hurt them, you need to stand firm in your faith. The adversary takes much pleasure in seeing people who have confessed and made a good confession of Christ and watching them wallow in everything but faith. He takes pleasure in seeing somebody who wants to be a good Christian but misses the point and beats at the air. He finds it funny. He takes pleasure in that. He takes pleasure in someone who said they committed themselves to God, who said they, they wanted to walk this thing out. But in the matters of faith, they give way to the matters of the heart. He takes pleasure in that. He sits back and he watches it and he says, this is a victory. The same way I told you, I said, hey, us Christians, we have to evaluate and say, what in the world is a victory? You need to also sit back and say, what, is con what constitutes as a victory for the adversary? What is his victory? His victory is to take you out of your faith. If you're not walking firm in your faith, then every decision you make is you and you alone. If you're not walking firm in your faith, every action you make is steeped in you and you alone. And just those mere things, just the mere idea of living without God is a victory to the adversary. The mere fact of living and moving according to yourself is a victory to the adversary. Gives him no greater pleasure. Gives him no greater joy than to see us live life not in God. To see us live life not in the faith. And if you don't like that, if that infuriates you, I have, I have an have answer for you. You can submit yourself, therefore, to God. You can yield yourself, your thinking, your reasoning, your actions, 
You can submit them to God, yield them to God, and resist the devil. And it says, and he will flee. Oftentimes, we haven't seen him flee. We've seen him stay. We've seen him overstay his welcome. We've seen him be able to move freely. He should not be able to move freely in our lives. He should not be able to just go back and forth and do what he likes in our lives. It's unfortunate to see it in the lives of people we love. It's unfortunate to see it in this world, but it's just the fact of it. Something I shared recently is I used to work retail, and when we work retail, there was always a, a morning meeting. And in the morning meeting, it, 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 it took me aback when I, f- I first heard the manager say, yesterday was a good day. We only had less than $10,000 in theft. He said, so we, we're keeping to our goal of less than $10,000 in theft a day. And I, 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 after the meeting, I was asking somebody like, why is that a good day? That's a lot of money. And they were telling me, like, you're going to have theft. All you can do is try to minimize it. And when we look at life, that's what life becomes. It becomes a thing where we're so used to the chaos. We're so used to the drama. We're so used to the hurt. We're so used to the pain. We're so used to our regret. We're so used to our us letting ourselves down and doing things that we don't even want to do. So used to our failed expectations. We're so used to messing up. That half the time, we're just glad when we ain't mess up that much. Half the time, we're just happy when we ain't screw up too bad. We've moved the level because we know the world we live in. Just like that retail store that I worked at moved the level because they have come to terms with the reality of the life and the climate that they live in. That's not us. We have to be resolute. We have to be zero tolerance. We have to say, I have to stand on my faith. I can't give myself room to falter because there's so much at stake. Hebrews 12 and 4 says, In your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of the shedding of your blood. And so as I close out, I, I got I to gotta tell you guys, you may feel like you have been resisting but you can always do more. Paul tells us in this scripture, or the writer of Hebrews tells us in this scripture, that we can do more. If you haven't, you haven't even begun to resist like the men of old. You haven't even begun to resist to the point that Christ did. I know I haven't. There's still so much more. I haven't resisted to the point of shedding blood. I haven't resisted to the point that it, that it crushes me and hurts me. I haven't gotten to that point yet. There's still room 
to resist. There's still a fight to be fought. I didn't exhausted myself beating at the air enough. You have. We all have. But if we're going to talk about real church matters, then guess what? Nothing matters more than your faith. And if you can't see that your faith is the real matter, then you're missing the point of being a Christian. This is a matter of faith. It's a matter of do you believe or don't you? It's a matter of are you willing to stand or not? That's the resistance. So, episode 60, the resistance. I hope it was a blessing to you. Continue to be prayerful for me, for Antoinette, for the whole Real Church Matters family. Continue to send questions, continue to just listen and share it with others. We're hope, we're praying that doing this is for a reason greater than ourselves. We're, we're praying that doing this is profiting you something that allows you to grow in Christ and to be able to, to stand firm in your faith. So that was the 60th episode In these 60 episodes, these 60 weeks, so much has changed. So much is continuing to change. But we pray that we continue to walk on the consistent word that never changes. And share that consistent word that never changes with you. And you receive that consistency in your life. That can do wonders in a world that's so ever-changing and uncontainable. Just, a, just inconsistent in every aspect that it can be. That's episode 60. I'm Forrest Hall. See you guys later.